Good morning, New Life Manager Springs. Oh, come on. Good morning, New Life Manager Springs. All right. Today's a very, very, very special day. We dedicated some children. Then we're going to do baptisms. Maybe you saw the, the tank outside. And that is an expression of our faith where we join in to the waters of baptism and come up and this, through this sacrament are raised Anew. And so I'm going to speak a very short sermon today about baptism. Then the service will not end. We'll go outside and we have some people already signed up and ready to get baptized. But I want to say at the top of this sermon, if you're here this morning and you're like, well, well, maybe I would like to get baptized. I'm going to let you think through that, pray through that as I speak about baptism today. And if that is the case where you decide to be baptized, it would be a joy to baptize you this morning as a part of New Life Manitou and what the Lord is doing among us. So an exciting morning. Let me give you some logistics. Uh, I'll preach a sermon. Did I say I have a three-point sermon? Even though it's going to be a shorter sermon, it's going to be a three-point sermon. Don't worry. It's not always, but today it is a three-point sermon. I'm going to talk about reasons why uh, professing Christians should get baptized. And then we're going to go out. We're going to get baptized, those of you that are getting baptized. And then oh, before that, we're going to do communion too. And then we're going to get baptized. Then we have some treats outside. We're going to have donuts and some refreshments outside. It's really a pretty exciting Sunday after Resurrection Sunday that was just last week. We're uh, in, in just in the presence of the Lord. And, and I've been very excited about this Sunday. So would you turn in your Bibles, if you brought a Bible, to Romans chapter 6. Before we put the um, scripture on the screens, I'll give you the title of this sermon, which is Raised to New Life. That's the title. That's why we baptize, that when we go into the waters of baptism, we come up out of that water and we are raised to new life. That's the title. Let me read for you uh, from Romans 6 what Paul says baptism is all about. Would you stand with me out of uh, reverence for the word of God? I'm just going to read two verses here. And it comes from the book of Romans, chapter 6, verse 3. Paul says this, Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his, into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, here it is, we too may have new life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Christ, you are in our midst. And Lord, as we consider baptism and we consider that we have been uh, identifying with you in your death, that we might also be raised with you to new life as you were risen from the grave. Lord, I pray you will open our hearts this morning, open our minds to a greater understanding of who you are and what baptism truly is and how we have new life in you. And this is all by your hand, all by your work. We thank you and we praise you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and all God's people shouted, amen. amen, amen. You may be seated. I have uh, three reasons. There's probably lots and lots of reasons, but I have a sermon today that is three points, the three reasons why Christians should be baptized, three reasons why believers should get baptized. And the first one is this, that Jesus led the way to baptism. 
that Jesus got baptized. Do you remember this part of the story? The very beginning of Jesus' ministry, what does he do? He gets baptized in what river? Do you know? Jordan River. Good job, class. He gets baptized. And so one of the best reasons why we as followers of Jesus should get baptized is that, well, we want to be like him. He got baptized. And so quite simply, we would follow in his footsteps and also get baptized. Now, the question that some of you have maybe thought of, maybe right now, maybe as uh, someone who reads the Bible and thinks theologically, well, why did Jesus get baptized? And has anyone ever thought of this question? I remember going to seminary thinking of these questions and this question in particular, wondering, well, well, if baptism is this sacrament where we you know, are washed of our sins, well, then why did Jesus get baptized? Because scripture also says that Jesus was perfect. Jesus never sinned. Jesus was God himself. So, so what is, how is this work? Why did Jesus get baptized? Does anybody else think of questions like that? Like me, like you, th- you think through those things. Maybe you're a fellow nerd like me. And I mean that in a really good way. This is now a nerd alert. If you know what to do, nerd alert. Okay, so something fun we do. Maybe it's something fun that I make you do. I don't know. Um, but I love studying scripture. I love these kind of like Bible kind of busters. Like why did Jesus, if baptism is this symbol, this metaphor, this mystery or the sacrament of washing us from the, the sins of our own life, then why does Jesus get baptized if he's totally perfect and he doesn't have any sin? Well, here's one of the answers that I've found that I've really been meditating on for quite a while, and that is this, that Jesus is doing this gesture of baptism. He is foreshadowing his own death on the cross. He is carrying the weight of the sins of the world into the waters of baptism that he will ultimately, you know, we read the rest of scripture, we would say that it's Jesus' sacrifice on the cross that fully... uh, Uh, relieves us and fully covers us of all of our sin, fully forgives us. And so Jesus, quite a few times throughout scripture, refers to his death as this baptism that he has to undergo. You can read about it in Mark 10, Luke 12, where Jesus says, I am going to partake in this baptism. And it's like, wait, he already got baptized in the Jordan River. What's he talking about? Well, he's talking about his death. And this is a foreshadow. This is a gesture that he is going to take the sins of the world. He is going to be sacrificed willingly on the cross. And that sacrifice is going to save us from our sins. So kind of going back to just answering this quick question about baptism. The question mainly for this sermon is, well, why should Christians get baptized? Well, Jesus does it. And to walk in the feet steps, the footsteps of Jesus, we get baptized as well. Jesus led the way. That's point one. Point two is this, more pointed than the first point of just following in the ways of Jesus, is that Jesus commanded it. He commands baptism. It's a part of what he says to do when you become a believer. Let me read the scripture for you. This comes out of uh, Matthew 28, 18. This is the passage known as the Great Commission. Have you heard that, that, that phrase before? This is the commissioning Jesus gives to all believers as he is about to ascend into heaven. So let me give you the time frame. Uh, last Sunday was what Sunday? 
Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, good job. And Jesus has risen from the dead. And then there are 40 days in which Jesus appears to people. He eats with them. He has full-on conversations with them. You might know the story of Thomas who gets to touch his hand. All of those things happen in the 40 days following Easter. And on that very last day, before he ascends into heaven, what he says is he commissions us. And here's what he says to do. This is his command as he is leaving his earthly ministry and saying goodbye. He says this. Then Jesus came to them and said, this is Matthew 28, 18. Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. That's, that's number one. Make disciples. That's two. Of all the nations, baptizing them. That's three. Baptizing them in the name of the Father the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them, so the fourth thing, to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Did you hear that command? He commands us, make disciples, go, make disciples, baptize them. And I think some of us, I'm probably speaking to uh, maybe quite a few people who have, who have maybe been walking with Jesus for a long time. You say, oh yeah, I believe in Jesus, I love Jesus, I've given my life to Jesus, and maybe, I don't know, each one of you has your own story and your own journey with spirituality. Maybe there's some of you in here that are, well, I've never been baptized. Well, Jesus, he, he, he tells us to. He, he commands it. I think in our culture today, the American uh, Protestant Christianity at large, there's something called an altar call, which is kind of sometimes kind of the end all be all for your coming to faith in Christ. An altar call, I'm a fan of altar calls. We almost every Sunday uh, have people up here at the altar after service and you can come forward and receive prayer, ask for prayer, pray with someone and, and maybe it's for healing, maybe it's for uh, a, a direction in your life, maybe it's for a job. People come forward and get prayer all the time and it's a wonderful thing to end service coming forward asking for prayer. And sometimes, I even say this during the sermon, like if the Lord is stirring your heart and you're wanting to give your life to the Lord, then come forward. We would love to pray with you. We would love to, to uh, talk with you, give you a Bible, pray with you. And so that's kind of how we do altar calls here at New Life Manitou. It's also, I've seen it done very dramatically. Has anyone, I never got to go before Billy Graham passed away, but has anyone in this room ever been to a Billy Graham crusade? A couple people. I did get to go to a Franklin Graham crusade. Franklin Graham is Billy Graham's son. And about 20 years ago, I went to one of his uh, crusades, a revival meeting in Florida, and there were thousands of people, this big stadium, and thousands of people were there. There were some musical bands, and then Franklin Graham, the son of Billy Graham, preached just like he, he does in the ways that his, his father preached. And at the end said, if you want to accept Jesus, you come now, come on now to the, the center of the stadium. And not hundreds, but thousands of people came down and went down to this, this makeshift altar that was this stadium in this arena. And it was wonderful to see. It was like, wow, that was, what, it was seeing that many people give their life to the Lord. It was like, wow, this is wonderful. This is epic. And, and I wonder if that, in some people's minds, becomes the end all. Like if, if you know, you could check the box. Well, I checked the box. I believe in Jesus. I went forward for an altar call. I was prayed over. I got my Bible. Checked that box. All done. And what I would say to that is, well, Jesus doesn't call, at least here in this passage, doesn't call people to an altar call. He calls people 
to baptism. That, that the baptism with water is the physical um, uh, metaphor, the physical uh, sacrament, the physical response to putting your faith in Jesus. Altar calls are great. Don't hear me saying I, I don't like altar calls. We, we do them here at New Life Manitou. But what I'm saying is it seems like there's another step, and that step is one that Jesus gives us, and that is to get baptized. Let me tell you uh, a story. There's uh, eight congregations of New Life Church. Some of you could probably name them all. There's uh, English-speaking congregations like Manitou, Downtown, East, uh, Midtown, Friday Night, New Life North. And then there's a Spanish-speaking congregation and one more. Do you know what language they speak at this other congregation? Chinese, good job. And so there's Chinese congregation, New Life Church. They meet at New Life North meeting right now. And I get to oversee this congregation. It's, it's, it's wonderful. Pastor Rachel Chin has been pastoring for many years, more than I've pastoring. Uh, so I don't really see myself as her boss. I see myself more as like a coach walking alongside of her, advocating for her, giving her direction, listening to wonderful stories of things happening in the Chinese congregation. It's been really a very joyful part of my job at New Life Church, and I often get to hear stories of what, what's happening in the Chinese church. And she said that a woman was invited to church, and she has heard the gospel. She has given her life to Jesus, and now pretty soon she needs to move back to China. But before she does, she's contemplating baptism. And for her, it's not an easy decision. Because when she goes back to China, she works for this university that's affiliated with uh, the government of China. The government of China is communist. And to, to work for the government of China uh, in this communist party, hopefully I'm getting all these details correct, uh, you're given once a year this questionnaire. And on this questionnaire is all these questions about your life and uh, any updates and things like that, kind of a census of sorts. And one of the questions is about uh, Christianity and if you've been baptized. And if she, this woman who's given her life to Jesus, gets baptized and checks this box and gives it back to the Chinese government, she will probably lose her job at the university. And she loves the university. She loves uh, teaching. I forget what she teaches. But she, she will lose that job. And so here she is. Like, like, this is real life. Like, this is what's going on in the Chinese church. And this woman is needing to make this decision. And what does she do? Well, it's an ongoing story, and I hope that we pray that this woman will have faith and holy boldness, and I pray that, that maybe she'll have favor, that if she does get baptized, that maybe she'll somehow have favor. But in the, the mind of the Chinese, the government and the society there, like you can be a believer, you can go to church, you can say you believe in Jesus, but for them, it's that once you say you've been baptized, well then, whoa, that's... You know, that you've really taken that step. And all over the world, there are countries today that baptized Christians are jailed, persecuted. There are even places in this world today, in this year, where if you're a baptized Christian, you could be risking your life or your family's life to becoming a Christian and getting baptized. And we, like I'm saying this right now, we join the rest of church history in proclaiming Jesus, even if it means persecution, even if it means the worst. We say yes to Jesus. We receive baptism because Jesus commanded it. So this three-point sermon, we've, we've done two of the three so far. The first one is that Jesus was baptized. We want to be with him and walk in his way so we get baptized. The second one, Jesus commanded it. And the third one, 
is this. Jesus, uh, excuse me, pro- baptism proclaims the truth that is inside of us. Baptism proclaims the truth that is inside of us. It is the physical proclamation. It is what we do when we follow Jesus. We do this symbol, this, this sacrament, this metaphor of getting baptized. I've heard baptism compared with uh, like a wedding ring. This is my wedding ring. I, I, I wear it. And uh, baptism is maybe like a physical reminder, a physical proclamation that someone is married. Now, if you lose your wedding ring, maybe, does anybody want to raise their hand? If you've lost your wedding ring, a couple of people, I'm so sorry. Maybe there's some shame there. Maybe that's an embarrassing story. I was fly fishing with a friend, teaching a friend how to fly fish, and he's really getting into it. And his hands were wet and cold, and he whipped his wedding ring right off his hand. It went flying into the water, bloop, right in front of him, like 20 feet. He runs up. He's trying to find it, calls me over. He's like, what's going on? You catch a fish? He's like, no, I lost my wedding ring. It just went in the river. And we looked through it for the better half of an afternoon, didn't find it. He went back with a metal detector, couldn't find it. He lost his wedding ring. But is he still married? Yes. Just because you, so the question, if you lose your wedding ring, are you still married? Yes. You're still married, even if you lose your wedding ring. It is, but it is a physical reminder. It's worn as a reminder, and it's worn as a proclamation, a physical uh, proclamation that you're married. Now, what if uh, when, when I got married 15 years ago, I went up to Erica. How many years ago? Six. Oh, 16. I... <laughs> That's embarrassing. <laughs> 16 years ago, if I went up to Erica, now bear with me with this random little you know, what if story. And it's pretty weird. But what if I went up to Erica and said, hey, let's not wear our wedding rings. Like, let's this, this whole marriage thing, let's just kind of do it in secret. Let's not tell anybody. If someone asks, we'll just kind of evade the question. What do you think? What would she say back? Have you lost your mind? Like, what do you know? Of course not, right? Like, that would be ridiculous. You'd probably say, well, what's going on? Are you ashamed to be married? Do you not really want to be married like that? That's ridiculous. Why would you keep marriage in secret? If you have something wonderful and good in your life, you want to share it with everybody. And so baptism, maybe it's like that. This last point is it proclaims. It's the physical uh, dignifier, significance that you are in faith and walking with the Lord. Um, I'll, I'll kind of close with this one last story because some of you in here are wondering like, well, maybe baptism for me and we'll do baptisms today and we'll do baptisms again in October. We'll do baptisms at special circumstances. If, if anybody needs to get baptized, we'll figure it out and have a way to do baptisms because we believe in it. We believe it's so important. We believe Jesus commands it. Um, but some of you in here might be thinking like, I had a friend who thought like this. This is my closing story. That he thought, uh, I'm not ready to get baptized because he had taken the 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 leap of faith, or he had gone over the edge of the fence of faith. He'd climbed the fence. I don't know what metaphor works here, but he was still kind of like, if he climbed over the fence of faith and he's on the side of faith, he's maybe still like holding on to the fence and looking and wondering like, well, what's next? You know, he's, he's, this is a weird metaphor, but he's, he's over the fence of faith, but he's still holding on. And for him, he said, uh, I really want to get 
baptized, but I, I want to clean my life up first. My friend's name is William. I, I keep up with him on Facebook. Uh, 17 years ago, he had this nickname, Big Bill. Some of you might know this guy. What a character. He was a big football player, very strong, played for Michigan State Spartans, and came from Michigan to Colorado Springs and joined the, the college and 20-somethings ministry that I was a pastor of. And just a wild dude, just a character. He was a party animal, kind of just the football college scene. He had partied and drank and was hanging out with girls and just the party lifestyle, comes to church, realizes he's, he's full of faith, comes to Jesus, does the altar call, gives his life to the Lord. And then it was this time of year, right after Easter, where we were doing baptism 17 years ago, like we do now at New Life Church. And I asked him, hey, do you want to get baptized? And his response was, no, I need to clean my life up first before I get baptized. And I, uh, 17 years ago, much younger, didn't have the tact that I have now maybe. And I told him, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And I should have said that maybe nicer, uh, but I, I just came out of my mouth and he looked at me like, what do you mean? And I said, well, let me explain. Because we can't clean up our own lives. Like that's not our role to clean up our own life. Our, our role in this is that Jesus has cleaned up our lives and his death is for the sacrifice of our sins. And, and we don't need to clean ourselves up in order to go to God. We don't need to clean ourselves up in order to go to church. Think about the prodigal son. Do you know this story? It's, it's in my mind, the, the best parable Jesus told out of all the wonderful parables. And it's of the son who goes off and lives wildly and sins and spends all his father's money comes to his senses, and then walks back to the father in shame, dirty, covered in sin. His life is a wreck. It's horrible. And what does the father do? His father hugs him, embraces him, receives him. And so don't let that, if you're like, oh, I need to get my life straight first before I give my life over to the Lord. I need to clean up my life. Like my friend William said, he said, I need to clean up my life and then I'll get baptized. I told him, no, that is the work God does. I asked him if I could tell the story and he said, of course you can. He said, that's the moment that changed me forever. Knowing that he couldn't, he doesn't have to clean up his own life. That's the work of the Lord. Would you stand with me? We're going to receive communion. Uh, the band can come forward. They're going to lead us in one last song. The communion servers can come forward. What we're going to do is come to the table. Another yet invitation from the Lord to come and to receive from him. The, the communion servers, uh, as you pass by, are going to give you little cups. And uh, it has the bread and the cup. And they'll say, Christ's body and Christ's blood for you. If you would receive these elements and then walk back around, just hold them and we'll all take them together. Pastor Matthew's gonna come and lead us in that moment of receiving the cup and receiving the bread. But this cup and this bread, this table is open for all of us. If you're in this room, and you believe in Jesus, he's inviting you to the table. And if you say yes to him, well, then you can come and you can receive. You don't need to be a member of this church. You don't need to clean yourself up first before coming to the table of Christ. You just come. You receive from him his body broken for you, his blood 
shed for you. Let me pray a prayer for you. And then what we're going to do is come to the center, walk towards the cross. And then if you're on this side, uh, go to your left. If you're on this side, go to your right. And you'll walk back around the room and just find your place. Stand there holding the elements and we'll all receive it together. Lord, we pray right now that we will come forward with hearts that are, that are towards you. Lord, we come to this table to receive from you, knowing that we can't uh, make ourselves any cleaner. We can't clean ourselves up for you. Lord, that's the work you do. And so, Lord, we come to this table now as sinners. We come to this table as people who need to receive from you your gifts. So, Lord, we thank you for this. We come forward in joy, knowing that you will meet us there. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.